Now, let's go to the word of the Lord. I'm not going to read a scripture to start with, but I'll use some along the way here tonight. And uh, I'll be preaching mostly from Exodus chapter 14. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can check me and make sure I'm still in the word of the Lord. But uh, we're going to we're going to talk about something, not anything that I haven't talked about before, but this just, you know, every once in a while, something will leap back upon you. And uh, I tell people from time to time, you know, sometimes you have to go back and, and say some things you've already said. And they said, oh, you mean you preached the same sermon twice? I said, well, you don't sing Amazing Grace and throw it in the garbage, did you? You're still singing Amazing Grace. We just need to hear the word of the Lord until it registers in our mind what God is saying to us. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love the word of the Lord. I, I, I was thinking this morning, I was reading in the book of John and reading about uh, Jesus' earthly ministry, and I, I just paused and I said, Lord, I just want to thank you that I know the truth. To know the truth and to know the word of the Lord is so powerful and so good. And uh, I, I give God praise for that today. I want to speak to you today from Exodus 14 because it describes an incredible moment in the history of the children of Israel. The Israelites, as you know, just left Egypt. They just left bondage. And Pharaoh's army was now pursuing. He was after them. If you read the scripture very closely, you will find that there were mountains on the right and mountains on the left, Pharaoh's army behind them, and the Red Sea in front of them. And I, it doesn't take an Einstein to figure out that that's for an army or for a people that were leaving bondage and slavery, that was a very bad predicament. They knew they had no army that could defeat Pharaoh's army. And they were standing and looking at the gloominess of death because they just figured and they thought that this was going to be the darkest moment in their life and the stormiest moment in their life. But it turned out to be the greatest moment of their life. You know, I read a scripture not long ago that said, talking about Joseph, he said to his brethren, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Let me tell you something. The devil can devise anything he wants to devise to come at you, but the Lord can turn that around and make something great out of it. Does anybody here believe that tonight? The Lord can, can turn it around. We sing that song, turn it around, turn it around, turn it around. Well, I believe God can turn it around. So tonight I want to talk a little bit about this. The making, everybody say it with me, the making of worshipers. That's what I want to talk about. How God made Israel worshipers and what his intention during that time really was. You see, worshipers are not made during revivals. You can say amen or oh me, but I'm going, to, I'm going to just talk to you from the heart. They're not made when the sun's shining. Worshippers are not made in periods of 
good health and great victory. Are you with me? That's, that's not where worshipers are made. Worshipers are not made when you have the enemy on the run and everything is going your way. Worshipers are made in adversity, and they're made in the times of darkness and stormy nights and great trials and deep valleys. And when we're walking in those times, it's when we learn how great God really is. I don't know about you today, but my greatest encounters with God is when I realized that I couldn't do anything else. My back was against the wall. My hands were not big enough to handle the things that were coming at me. And I've always found God to be the deliverer in the time of adversity. And so I want to talk a little bit tonight about the making of a worshiper or worshipers. I believe that God had a point to prove to Israel. This was not by happenstance or just circumstance. This didn't just take place. The Lord, and I'll show you by Scripture, the Lord designed what happened to Israel that day. He designed it. You, you go back and read and figure out for yourself how God sent Moses to deliver them. And there was a process. You remember the plagues that came and, and, and the things that happened. And it looked like at times Pharaoh was going to say, okay, I'll let them go. And then he'd change his mind. And he, well, he one time said, I'll let them go. I'll let the children of Israel go, but you got to leave your children here. Well, that won't work. You, you can go, but you can't go but so far. Well, that won't work. So, so it was a process. And finally God sent the angel of death through the land of Egypt, and he he did not go to Goshen where the Israelites were, but he let the firstborn of man and beast die in the land of Egypt, and God delivered the children of Israel. So, so now they have they've, they've ate of the lamb that they kept for four days. They've applied the blood to the doorpost and to the top of the door. They've, they've got their shoes on, their loins girded, their staff in their hand, They've done exactly what Moses told them to do in Exodus 12. And they left Egypt. They borrowed all the jewels they could borrow. They stole all the jewelry they could steal. Because that's what God told them to do. And when they left, they left under the direction of God. But here they are. Here they are with the sea, mountains, mountains, Pharaoh. Now, that's what you call trouble. And that's what you call not much hope. I take you to Hebrews chapter 11 and show you the image of Jacob in his old age. Remember Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob? The Bible said in Hebrews eleven twenty one, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped. Everybody say he worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. So my question is this, why was Jacob portrayed in this way in the, the book of Hebrews, the chapter that we call the faith heroes? Why was he portrayed this way? Let me tell you why. 
because Jacob was a man of faith. He had been through the traumatic times. At one time, he thought his brother was going to kill him. And he wrestled all night with an angel of God. And, and he had been there. He understood what faith was. He had been through the traumatic things in his life, and yet he remained a man of faith. So Hebrews said, Jacob, as he reviewed his life, was moved to worship. He was leaning on his staff, dying, blessing his sons, but he chose to worship. When we remember the things that God has brought us through, when we remember what God took us through, we become better worshipers. I love the song. I love the song, and it's been, uh, it's been going over in my mind. My wife probably got tired of hearing me sing it this week. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for all the little things that you've done. Thank you for carrying us through. Thank you for the blessings of God in our life. Thank you for where I'm at today. Let me tell you why I'm a worshiper. Because I have seen the hand of God do what the hand of man cannot do. And that makes me a worshiper. Hallelujah. I know I, my help cometh from the Lord. Hallelujah. My help don't come from man. My answers don't come from man. My help comes from the Lord. And I have learned to worship him. When Jacob remembered what God had done and all the things that he brought him through, he worshiped. He worshiped. You remember Jacob's name was changed to Israel because he was a prince with God and with man. He prevailed in his life. So the message that I want to bring to you on this Wednesday night is this. It's for people who are facing tough times. Tough times demand tough people. I, this world, I don't care what you label yourself at or as, it, it doesn't matter what you think. I don't care today if you're a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, an Independent, or nothing. It doesn't matter who you are for what I'm about to say right now. This world is in a mess. Amen? And we're going to learn how big God is. You're going to see, and I'm going to see, what the Word of God is talking about. Because, ladies and gentlemen, time is winding up. We are going to be at some place in our life with a Red Sea in front of us and mountains on each side of us and a Pharaoh on our rear end. But I'm here to tell you the God that delivered Israel is the God that's going to deliver the church of the living God. I believe that with all of my heart. It doesn't matter who says what, who does what. I know you've heard me say it many times, but I read the back of this book, and the back of this book says we win. So, so for, for, for tough times, for tough situations, the Lord wants you to come out of your storm, a worshiper. He wants you to be able to lift your hands. He wants you to be able to say, I love you, Jesus, and mean it. He wants you to be, a, and if I could just 
if, if I could just spare my soul a little bit today. I've, I've pastored and lived long enough and watched enough people, and, and I've, I've sat watching the crowd for many, many years. I can, I can take people's spiritual temperature. I can tell you almost when you've been fussing with your wife when you walk in the building. I can tell you if you're going through a tough time in your life, 90% of the time. I really can because I've watched people that they let that affect their worship. You know, here's what I say. When you're down, just get up because to get up, you have to be a worshiper. You want to do what God wants you to do. And the Bible said, he desireth such to worship him. He said, true worshipers are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. And the Bible said, the Lord desireth such to worship him. You know what God wants tonight? He's not concerned whether we're rich or poor, not nearly so much as he is that we're worshipers. He wants us to be worshipers in the dark of the night in the deepest valley that we're going through, in the times of struggle. He wants you to sing, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Exodus 14, 1 and 2. The Bible said the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pahatharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against baal Zephon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. The Lord said, this is where you go. It was also God who hardened the heart of Pharaoh when Israel was escaped. So he told Israel where to go. And then the Bible said in the fourth verse, he said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon, or I will be honored upon Pharaoh and all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So the whole scenario here was for God to prove a point. Why would God do this? Because he said all of Egypt is going to know I'm God. Let me tell you something. There's some things that happen in this life that we don't understand but there's purpose in the life of a Christian. God does things to prove who he is. I know, I know some of you don't believe that. Well, that was just coincidence. No, it was by design of God. The Bible said that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. They're going to find out that I'm in charge here. You can, you can follow these Israelites and decide you want to overtake them, but God did not want Israel to doubt, nor did he want the Egyptians to doubt that he was God. God didn't want the, the Israelites to enter into the wilderness complainers, but he wanted to enter them, he wanted them to enter as worshipers. Now listen to me. We, you go read the scriptures and you'll find out they were professional complainers. God could deliver them, answer a prayer. It wasn't but just a few verses later they were griping and complaining. One time they said in this scenario, would to God, Moses, you would have left in Egypt. We'd have been better off to die at the hands of the taskmaster. When, when, when he fed them manna out of heaven, they griped about that. 
We're tired about it. So God sent him quail. I'll tell you how much quail he sent. He sent it. The Bible said this. I'm telling you the truth. The Bible said they ate quail till it ran out their nose. You ever eat that much quail? The Bible said that it was, it, I mean, it was knee deep in quail, folks. I'm not telling you a fairy tale. This is what the Word of God said. And they had quail. God said, okay, you want quail? I'll give you quail. And he gave them quail till it literally ran out their nose. I'm sure they said, enough quail, we'll take some more manna. But every time God tried to prove to them who he was and tried to keep them from complaining and make worshipers out of them, they, they were they were to be living examples of the faithfulness of God, and they are in many respects, but they fail God in the fact that every time they come up against a trial in their lives, they forgot what God had done. Could I pause for a minute today and say, has God ever healed your body? Has God ever fixed your finances? Has God ever fixed your family? Has God ever put a, a, a hedge around you and said, devil, you're not touching him? I'm preaching to you on this Wednesday night. God wants you to be a worshiper and not a complainer. Well, I don't know if God, I know. I don't know if we're going to make it through. I know. I don't know if it, let me tell you, the church is going to be okay. Here's what you have to do. My daddy used to say it this way. He said, you, you go ahead and leave the church. It's like leaving a bunch of banana, bananas because if you get away from the bunch, you get peeled. Y'all ever heard him say that? That's another GEism. Write that one down. He said, You get away from the bunch. That all you got to do is stay with the church. All you got to do is believe the church is going to be all right. The church is going to be all right. I'm here to tell you this is not my church. This is God's church. And he bought it with his own blood. And when he bought it with his own blood, he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. I'm going to have a church that's going to be victorious. So you know what I'm going to do? When I'm down, I'm going to worship. When I'm up, I'm going to worship. When I'm going through a trial, I'm going to worship. When my finances are hurting, I'm going to worship. When I'm sick in my body, I'm going to worship. Because because he makes worshipers in the midst of trials. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. God did not want them to be complainers. God wanted them to be worshipers. Here's the scene. Israel had now erected their tents and was rejoicing over their deliverance. They just came out of 400 years of bondage. They went in, 70 people they're coming out three to five million strong. 400 years, you think? I mean, they were having babies. I mean, they were reproducing. They did what Jesus said. They were replenishing the earth. The, the Lord, the Lord is, is, is looking at them, and, and, and now they're out of 400 years of bondage. They're full of hope. They're looking at freedom. They're singing and they're dancing and they're crying for joy. And there, there, you know, no more persecution, no more beatings by the taskmasters, no more picking up straw and making bricks every day. You go study what happened to them in the in the land of Egypt. They were excited over the promise of a new day. Is that not what the Lord does when he calls us out of the world and we get the joy of the Lord? Could I just tell you it's the devil's business to steal your joy every time? 
It's the devil's business to be waiting on you when you get out of a service like we did on Sunday morning and jump right up on your shoulder and say, that's not where you're going. That's not what's happening. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to, let me tell you, the devil is a liar and he's a father of every lie. And you better know that God gave you the, the things that he gave you so that you could worship him for them. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. That's the portrait of a Christian, a new Christian, no doubt. So in their greatest time of victory, the enemy came. Is there anybody that, that can remember a time that you just, you thought, I'm there. I got victory. You just felt everything was great. Everything was wonderful. And wake up the next day to chaos. Am I the only one that's ever happened to? Just wake up the next day to chaos. In their time of victory, the enemy showed up. The ninth verse of chapter 14 said, But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them by encamping by the sea beside Pi-ha-areth before Baal-zephon. While enjoying that victory, they met adversity. Now here's where I want to preach to you a little bit. You're never going to be without adversity. If the devil ain't bothering you, then you must be living for the devil. If he ain't bothering you, honey, this is like going the opposite direction on a one-way street. You ever got on a, a one-way street going the wrong way by accident and look up and everybody's coming right at you? Anybody ever done that? That's not a good feeling. This is, way, this is the way living for God and victory in your life is. All of a sudden, you look up and things are meeting you head on. And you're thinking, I thought, I thought I was going the right way. The adversity will always come after a victory. All hope was shattered in the camp of the Israelites. Verse 10, when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. They got afraid, and they started crying out unto God. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've been there. They thought they were going to die. They thought this was the end. All they could see was not the victory of leaving the taskmasters and the, and the slavery and leaving the bondage. All they could see was dying before Pharaoh and his army. But let me tell you about a God that's bigger than Pharaoh. Let me tell you about a God that's bigger than a mountain on the right and a mountain on the left. Let me tell you about a God that can blow one breath and roll back a sea and take three to five million people to the other side. I'm talking about a God that will make a worshiper out of you if you'll just trust him. Hallelujah. So the next thing they did tells us a little bit about their status as worshipers. They cried. Everybody say they cried. They didn't cry from joy. No, there's different cries. They cried out of bitterness and pain. They cried because they thought they were going to die. And they cried because they were mad at Moses. And they cried because Pharaoh was on their heels. 
This is not deep. This is just truth. But we need to be reminded of this. So God told them three things to do. Three things. You ought to write this down because this is what God told them to do. First of all, he said, fear not. Somebody shout that with me, fear not. We need to lose our fear. The devil don't have authority in your life. God's got a, if you're a child of God, the devil has no authority in your life. If, if he does, then you're not doing something right because here's what the Bible said. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you know how many times fear not's in the Bible? Does anybody know? 365 times fear not is in the Bible. Do you know what that means? For every day of 2022, there's a fear not. God don't want you to wake up with fear. Amen? I guess it's Philippe Lear. You better take that one day and you better hold on to yesterday. But literally, there is 365 fear knots in the Bible. Fear is of the devil. Fear is not of God. Paul said, he hath not given us a spirit of fear. If you're living with fear, you need to find you a closet of prayer and be baptized with the power of God because fear will have to leave you. The Bible said he hath not given us a, a spirit of fear, but what did it say he gave us? Power, love, and what else? A sound mind. The Lord will give you a sound mind. He didn't want the children of Israel to fear. He said, what are you afraid of? Don't you know that I'm God? Don't you know if I carried you out of Egypt that I'm going to protect you? Don't you know if I saved you from the sin that you were in? He never brings us out to leave us in. He brings us out to carry us through so that we may hear him say, well done. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need to be walking in fear. We need to be walking in faith because fear is the very opposite of faith. I refuse to fear the devil. I have respect and fear of God because he is God. But let me tell you something. The devil cannot harm me if I'm resting in the arms of Jesus Christ. Quit being afraid. Look at your neighbor and say, quit being afraid. That's not victory. That's defeat. Well, I wake up, I wake up afraid. Don't be afraid. Call on the name that is above every day. Rebuke every spirit of fear that comes against you. It's the devil's mechanism to control us, to get us afraid of everything. I feel like I'm preaching good here to somebody right now. The spirit of fear is not of God. If you're afraid, what are you afraid of? Do you not know that he sits upon the circle of the earth? Do you not know that he has all things in his hands? Do you not know that he made the body that you're breathing and dwelling in right now? He can heal a cancer. He can take care of a broken bone. He can take care of anything that's wrong with you. Do you not know that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills and the earth is his footstool and heaven is his stool? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He will take care of you. Quit being afraid. The Lord said to Israel, fear not. Quit being afraid. Now look, 
Fear is a common thing. I've, I've been afraid a few times in my life. <laughs> I, I remember being lost one time when I was just a boy. My, my dad took me to Kokodri Swamp, way down yonder. We had to put a, we had a five-and-a-half horse Johnson on a 14-foot aluminum boat, dogs, gear, Stacked up so high the thing barely would go, and we putted for hours down the Cocodra Bayou. This was before the days of real, you know, fancy stuff. You slept on the ground. There were no bunks. You had a little sleeping bag if you were lucky. And I remember him put me on a deer stand, and he said, now, son, don't you move. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I've never been able to sit still very long. And I decided I would go back to the camp. And I got lost. There's never, I, I will never forget that fear that gripped me because I didn't know if they would find me or where I was going, but I can remember screaming to the top of my lungs, and I can remember my dad finding me and wrapping me up and said, son, I told you to stand stand there. Stay right there. Don't go anywhere. I know, dad, but I was going back to the camp. That's That was great, deep fear in me. But that takes me to the second point of where I want to preach tonight because the second thing the Lord said to Israel was, stand still. Just be still. Be still. Don't do anything. Just let me handle this. Wow. Do you know the Lord will handle it if you'll just be still? Do you know? I, I don't know what you're facing tonight. I don't know what you're up against. I know where there's people, there's problems. And when there's this many po people gathered in an in a, a, a auditorium like this, somebody here is facing a situation. You're going through a trial. you got a sickness. you got a situation. you got something. I, I, I'm not a prophet. I just know people. But here's what I will tell you. Don't be afraid because God's got you. And the second thing is, is stand still. And the third thing he said was see the salvation of the Lord. Just fear not, stand still, see the salvation. You know what I'm going to do, Israel? I'm going to do something you don't think I can do. Watch what happened. The Lord's saying to them, I will fight for you. So when the dust fell and the beginning of darkness came, there's a storm that came. It was the beginning of the working of the supernatural. If there's anything we need in 2022, it's the working of the supernatural. We need that every church service. We need that every day in our life. You don't have to be in a Pentecostal service on a Sunday morning for God to perform miracles in your life. You need that on your job. Amen? I walked to a place of business last week, and, and, and nobody was there but the secretary, and I know her. We were talking a little bit. And I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll see you later. And I started out, got my business taken care of. And she said, wait a minute, Pastor. And I thought, okay. She said, would you pray for me today? 
took me by surprise. I hadn't told one soul this. But I can tell you one thing. I took her hand in that business, and I began to pray, and I felt the Holy Ghost come down. Because you know why? God is not just here on Sunday morning. He's with you 24-7, and he'll do whatever you need him to do if you'll trust him today. Amen. So it was the beginning of the work of the supernatural. The Bible said God sent an angel to stand between his people and the enemy. Verse Psalms 34 and 7 said, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and guess what? Delivereth them. Delivereth them. God sent an angel. And, and, and furthermore, he supernaturally took a cloud that had led them by day, and he took that cloud and he, listen to this, he put that cloud between the Israelites and Pharaoh's army. So they couldn't see where they were going. He literally, and then he, then he caused a great wind. There, 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 was a, there was a stretching forth of the hand of Moses over the sea. And the Bible said in verse 21, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care if the, if the sea was this deep or 100 foot deep. When the, the wind can roll the sea back and it can become dry land overnight for three to five million people to walk through, I'm gonna tell you, God's getting ready to make somebody a worshiper. Hallelujah. You ought to hear me this, this, this Wednesday night because God was fighting for them. God was putting their enemy be, behind them. God was protecting them with a cloud. And furthermore, the breath of God breathed and the wind blew. And the storm that came so violently in a wind was a miracle for the children of Israel. There must have been fearful times. There must have been times that they might have felt the wind. But I want to tell you what the wind does. The wind will blow through and will blow out adversity and will make a path for the people of God and will give signs and miracles and wonders. I read another place where a wind blew. The Bible said in the book of Acts chapter 2 that there came from heaven a sound of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. You want a miracle? Let the wind of God blow in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The cloud went back. The angels was there. God was fighting. The sea began to roll back. The Hebrew, listen to this. This is a truth. The Hebrew word for wind in this scripture means violent exhaling. In other words, God exhaled all night long and blew the sea back and dried up the land. Let's just be real. If it's a mud puddle and you get the water out of it tonight, it's still going to be mud tomorrow. Am I right? But not when God does it. Because you see, in these times of fear and doubt and terrible things coming to their backside, the Lord said, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. I guess my whole thought on this night would be this. When your trial is over, 
I, I spoke of this at John Knight's funeral. Tragedy will either make you bitter or better. Circumstances in life will either make you a better Christian or make you weaker. But I want to come out of every situation a worshiper. I want to come out with my hands raised. I want to come out with my heart full and say, God, I don't know how you did that, but I know you did that. I don't know how you 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 seen me through that time. But, Lord, and I can tell you if I could stand up here tonight and testify, I'm a living testimony that the darkness of night and the fear of a Pharaoh's army has been before me many times. But I'm here to tell you that when he said, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, I'm here to tell you it's worked for me over and over and over and over and over. My faith is not in man. My faith is not in politics. My faith is not in any nation. My faith is not in any flag my faith is in Jesus Christ and I'm telling you that he will carry you through that time he'll make a worshiper out of you I wonder if we had testimony service here for the next little while how many could stand up and say well pastor I remember when I had that incurable disease I remember when the walk doctor walked in and said it's 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 not good you're not gonna make it I wonder if there's anybody here that could talk about the darkness of night in your life and when suddenly morning came and things became different because the God of Israel was there. Was it Israel? Was it easy for them to walk through that path with those great walls of water on each side? God wanted them to believe. He wanted them to see. And so he held the waters back. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm not going to read from the Scriptures, but go read what happened. The Bible said they all got to the other side. God lifts the cloud, and here comes Pharaoh and his army. I saw a, I saw a, uh, a little movie of, of this one time years and years ago, and in that movie... Everybody died but Pharaoh. But I want to tell you, that ain't what happened. Because what happened was, when the, when the people of God were on the other side and Pharaoh's army got in the middle of that sea, God inhaled. I said God inhaled. And he took the wind back and the waters folded in. First thing he did, though, is he sent angels down with lug wrenches and took all the wheels off Pharaoh's chariots. I don't know how that happened, but the Bible said the wheels fell off of Pharaoh's chariots. Folks, I'm not telling you a fairy tale here tonight. I'm telling you what the Bible said, and I believe the Bible. How many of you do? I'm telling you the wheels fell off. And while they're walking around out here saying, Pharaoh, how are we going to get all these chariots back up and going? The wheels just fell off. All of a sudden, God inhales, and the exhale that he had done all night long to hold those waters to the side began to come back. And Pharaoh and all of his army died in the Red Sea, and Israel had a party. They suddenly, from one side of that Red Sea to the other, became worshipers again. 
because worshipers are born at Red Sea experiences. Worshipers are born when your kids are, are in trouble and you prayed and God answers. When your life is a mess and you pray and God fixes it. Worshipers are born. You see, the reason we worship God is because we know He is God. Let me tell you what praise and worship is. We, we say we come here on Sunday morning for praise and worship. You ever heard that terminology? Praise is thanking God for what He's done. Worshiping is because of who He is. We praise him for the good they Thank you, Lord, for my car, for my, my job. Thank you for my children. Thank you for food on my table. Thank you for shoes on my feet. Everybody's got to praise. Am I right? But worshipers worship because of who God is. It's not about all that he does. It's because we realize, and when you go through the Red Sea and God kills Pharaoh behind you, you can be a worshiper because you realize then that he really is God and he really does have this thing in his hand and everything's going to be all right. I just come to tell somebody on a Wednesday night, just let God make you a worshiper in the time of your crisis and your time of your trouble. Just lift up your hands and say, God, I believe you're in charge here, and everything's going to be all right. Amen? You want me to show you some worshipers? I'll show you some worshipers. They were in a jail in the New Testament. They were in a jail. Matter of fact, the Bible said they were in the inner prison. You've heard me preach this before. But Paul and Silas had been beaten. They'd been thrown into jail, they had stocks and bonds on them. They were, they were hopeless. They were stuck in prison for preaching the gospel. But at midnight, at midnight, the darkest hour, there was no candle burning. There was rats running across the floor. There wasn't anybody having a, 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 a buffet. It was dark. It was stinking. It was hot or cold, whatever month it was, it was midnight. It was the worst time of the night. Paul and Silas, the Bible said, sang praises at midnight. And you know what worship did? Worship unloosed the prisoners around them and worship opened the doors of the prison and worship saved the Philippian jailer. Worship, worship. When God makes you a worshiper, when you can worship in a prison cell, when you can worship no matter what you're, you're in and up against, no matter what the situation is, oh God make me that way. I want to be sure that in whatever state I am in, I am still a worshiper. How about it? Is that where you want to live? But we have to go through the Red Sea for us to understand that he's God. There's an old song that says, through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon his word. The verse goes like this. One line says, if I never had a problem, I would never know that God could solve them. If you don't have a situation or a problem in your life, you, you will never figure out the miracles of God. The best worshipers are the people that's been through the hardest stuff. Amen? Jesus taught that. He taught about those that went through a lot and those that went through little, and he asked his disciples, said, who's going to give me more praise? Who's going to worship me more? 
They said the one that went through the worst. I'm here to tell you right now, when you go through it, you're, here's what Brother Tenney said. Boy, I love Brother Tenney. He had more sayings than you could imagine. But here's what he said. One of the last things I heard him say over the years in his preaching, and it stuck in my mind so deeply. Here's what he said. One thing about going through hell, you will come out on fire. So if you think you're going through hell, just know this, you can come out on fire. You don't have to stay in hell. You don't have to keep going through that. Come out with your hands lifted up. Come out with a song tonight. Come out with praise in your heart. Come out telling God how great he is. How great is our God. Thank you for your goodness. If I could sing it, I'd do it right now. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. Thank you for your miracle-working power. Thank you that you killed the Pharaoh behind me. Thank you that you delivered me from death. Thank you that there's a miracle in my life. Thank you, Lord, because I'm a worshiper because I figured out that you really are God. Not just words, not just words, but lifestyle. Living worshipers, living as a worshiper every day. You see, a true worshiper don't just dance when the victory's won. And I'm, I'm quitting. A true worshiper don't just dance when the, if you're a true worshiper, you dance in the middle of the victory or in the middle of the trial. Not just when the victory's there. Not just when it, you can't be a worshiper. Look, if you come to church Sunday and, and, and your car breaks down right here on, on the side of the road and you, you hobble on in here, your car shouldn't dictate how you worship. They make better cars and bigger cars and other cars and whatever cars and parts and you, you get that fixed. If, if, if don't, you, you can't let people, well, you know, I, people watching me. Let me tell you something. I don't care who's watching me because you got to know what he's done for me. You got to understand. You don't know the cost of this alabaster box. You don't understand why I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. You don't understand why I'm praising him like I am. Can you hear me tonight? I'm just telling you, you can't let circumstances and situations and problems and all kind of things in your life, you you can't let that dictate your you're being a worshiper. you got to be a worshiper if they ain't a dime in the bank. If there's a flat on every tire of your car, you got to be a worshiper. If you come to church hungry, you still got to be a worshiper. We're not worshiping him because of things. We're worshiping him because he's God. And this is what he said, I'm going to do this so that you'll know that I am God. Stand all over this house with me. Worshiping in the storm, not just words, but a way of life. Get up every morning. Get up every morning and worship. My, my, my wife and I, we have, we have coffee together. And uh, in my old age, I've become a real go-getter. Take her to work and go get her. I don't really, but she's got her own car and she drives to work but when she leaves every day it's my time to be a worshiper I got my time with God I don't come here there's too much going on y'all find me here I'm in the privacy of my of my home but let me tell you I told God today I just want to worship you 
I want to worship you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. You've blessed me beyond measure. You've took me through every valley, through every trial, through every situation. You've kept my kids. You've kept my grandkids. You've done things for me, God, that I can't even remember. You've done so much for me, I can't tell it all. I'm just going to be a worshiper. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. Is things still, is everything perfect? No, everything's not perfect. But I'll tell you who is perfect. I'll tell you who is worthy. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep praising him. Does anybody want to help me here tonight? Put your hands up all over this house and give God some worship. We're going to learn to be worshipers no matter where we are or what we do. God wants to make us true worshipers tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for hearing me out. It's just something that was in my soul today. It wasn't hard for me to find something to preach here tonight because when I... When I thought about what God has brought us through, I could probably go through this crowd today. Ushers, come on right now while I'm talking. I could probably go through this crowd right now and lay my hand on some of you and say, Oh, I remember, I remember where you were. I remember what God did in your life. I've been around for a long time. Some of you have been around for a long time, and, and we got a lot of road to, to look back on in our lives. But go ahead, guys. Bless the offering, Jesus. Amen. But we got a lot of things to think about. I remember when God healed my wife from incurable disease. I remember that. Donnie Mac, I remember when God opened you, your, your ears up here one day and, and, and healed you. I remember, Beverly, when God took you through that bout with cancer and here you sit here today. I remember that. I can go through. I can tell you of people in this congregation right now, and I can point them out where there's miracles and signs and wonders that God's taking care of. And when I think about it, all I can think of is fear not, stand still, and just see the salvation of God. Not what I've done, what God's done. I don't want any glory. I don't deserve any glory, but he deserves all the glory. Can you say amen? Lift your hands one more time all over this house. Thank you, Lord, for the good word of God. Lord, I pray that you would make this church the most worshiping and powerful church that it possibly could be. Let us see, God, the hand of God that has been wrought in our life, the miracles that you have performed, and the things that you've already done. Knowing, God, that you're going to put the cloud behind us to protect us, and you're going to let us see the sun rise in the morning because you're the God of tomorrow just like you are the God of today. We give you praise for it today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you tonight for hearing me out. I love you. Be here Sunday. God's going to do great work here. Keep praying, keep fasting, keep seeking God.